You're listening to episode 25 of the STEM space. Do you have a makerspace in your classroom? Well, today we're wrapping up our series on teaching fads and discussing all things makerspace. Welcome to the STEM space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha, two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. Hello, Claire. Hey. How are you doing? How's your week going? It's going well. It's been a little bit crazy this week because there is a full moon this week. (laughs) So you know how that is. And my classroom is a disaster. There's stuff everywhere and I need to restock lots of things in my makerspace. And speaking of makerspaces, can we talk about them today? Yes. So for any of our listeners that have been with us for a while, we had started a series of these episodes where we broke down some learning fads. Uh, This was based around the class I was taking uh, in grad school in the fall semester. And we kind of left off for a little bit because there were other things we kind of wanted to talk about. And so I think let's jump back into that series um, just to wrap it up. Uh, Because there's one that I know you really wanted to get to. One of the students in my class identified makerspaces as a learning fad. And you have a makerspace in your classroom. And you would like to know why (laughs) it is a fad, (laughs) right? Yes. Well, I mean, is it a fad? Or is that like a defined thing now? Like, is is that a thing that's just going to go away? Are we for sure about that? So the way we were approaching the idea of learning fads is saying, you know, this is something that everybody jumped on this, right? Makerspaces, they're cool, they're fun, you have 3D printers. But what we were trying to identify in the class was, does it actually produce some kind of learning outcomes? So what's Mm. the purpose of a makerspace and does it actually accomplish that? So I think we should just step back and look at what is a makerspace? And I think we're gonna find that the challenges in how we define makerspaces might determine whether it's a learning fad or not. So I can tell you from the student that was writing about makerspaces, um, they were talking about how it's a lot of tinkering, it's an invention space, um, and they're supposed to learn by doing. And so you basically have a bunch of tools, whether they could be as fancy as 3D printers, they could be paper and scissors and cardboard, and then the kids are just off to create something. And I want to throw in another word here. It's called discovery learning. That's another trend in education. And it's basically learning by discovery. (laughs) And so I have a toddler and you might've heard of the Montessori approach. Mm -hmm. And so that's where there's a bunch of stuff in a room and the kid just goes around and learns what they want. So they're maybe pulling tissues out of a box or trying to get like the, the ring to fit in a certain place that's basically there's no teacher involvement. It's just the kids learning on their own. And that's the foundation of the makerspace and the way that the student claimed it was a fad. So let I think we need to start from there. Do you agree with that as a definition for makerspaces? Yeah, so I think that is what's the most confusing thing for me because when I started in my classroom and I wanted to set up a makerspace because it looks really cool and I needed a place to put all the stuff that my kids are going to be using to build with. And I thought, well, can I call it a makerspace? What is that exactly? 
is my definition what it actually is. So I actually just Googled what is a makerspace and I came up with some very interesting ideas kind of along really? the same lines as what uh, your fellow student said. So here is what it says. I'm just going to read it from weareteachers.com. It says a makerspace is a room that contains tools and components, allowing people to enter with an idea and leave with a complete project. The best part is that makerspaces are communal. The goal is to work together to learn, collaborate, and share. Most importantly, makerspaces allow us to explore, create new things, or improve things that already exist. So this kind of the same lines. Right. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting about this is they emphasize collaboration. So like a makerspace is an area where kids come together and just like make stuff or improve things. Then I looked up at another definition that says it's an individual spot where kids come to learn. It can be both physical or virtual and they have the opportunity to explore their own interests and develop creative projects. So I feel like this makerspace is this open-ended idea even of just come and do whatever you want. Now back to your original point about it being a teaching fad, is it even teaching? <laughs> there, exactly. <laughs> I, I, what I got from what you said, so a student is just placed in this magical room and they walk away with a project. Is that what how they yes. define it? <laughs> yes. And what was interesting is I've was just scrolling through Instagram with the hashtag makerspace. And I saw so many pictures of just a table that just had a pile of what is actually just trash is just pile of trash, which, Hey, that's my room too. So I'm not hating on that, but <laughs> they're like, here's my makerspace. And it's like toilet paper rolls and tissue boxes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, and then teachers saying, so my makerspace is a place where they learn the engineering design process, where they, learn all these things. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's just your STEM class. Like that's right. not the makerspace. So it's really interesting that we need to define what the purpose is in order to really make a useful space for makers. Right. Right. And I agree with that. It's confusing because it's become tied to STEM education. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying, okay, I have a makerspace. So now I am a STEM class. And that means by default, I'm teaching the engineering design process. But the mm. part that's missing is the word teaching. Are you, are you teaching? Right. Are you guiding them through a challenge? Because the origins of the makerspace, there's a, that magazine, it's called Make, I think, where it's just all these like craft projects. And mm. so it's using like that table of toilet paper rolls or whatever you have to make different things um, that might be useful or not. And so this is getting back to the craft conversation we were having with Gary Tracy in the last episode. Um, so I see a lot of connection there, but how do you use your makerspace in your classroom? So my makerspace is something that they use to apply what I'm teaching. Mainly it is what I would just say, there's the supplies for the materials that you need for the challenge. You go to the makerspace, you get your supplies. It's not where you're learning. It's not right. where you're just doing whatever you want. It's not playtime. It is literally a hub for the supplies and tools that you'll need. So right. it's where I display, hey, if you need this, this, and this, these are the constraints for your challenge. You need pipe cleaners, toilet paper tubes. You go to the makerspace and you grab your supplies, and then you go back and work on what I'm teaching you. So I've seen some 
really interesting ways that people have been defining it lately. Like it's a safe place for students to fail. Like, no, that's your whole classroom. It's not like a space. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Yeah. I think it is important to note here though, that it can be a spot for kids to be exploring things. I think there is a good reason to have that in your classroom. Task cards are really popular right now. And I do think those can be really important tools but again, only for students to apply what they've already learned from you teaching them in a STEM setting. Right. I agree exactly with that. You need to walk in with a problem. You have to have a reason to go to the makerspace. And maybe you can go in and be inspired, perhaps, by some of the tools. But there's got to be a purpose to why the student is there. And the teacher can be there to guide them along that project. The makerspaces are also used in higher education. So when we were undergrads in aerospace, we were building a rocket. And there is something you could call a makerspace, which is a place with all these tools, the, the workshop, where they did like the 3D printing of the metal and all the things that we needed for a rocket. Like that to me could be considered a makerspace. It has all the tools that you need to create whatever it is you want to design. But it in of itself is not on its own a teaching tool. It's to support what you're already trying to have the students understand. Yeah, exactly. I think that those teachers that, I don't know if this is still a class even, teachers that teach shop, is shop still a thing? I feel like that's now it's called makerspace. It's like, well, yeah, but you wouldn't just send your kids into a room and be like, all right, go play with all those sharp, really dangerous tools. (laughs) Good luck. I hope you discover something and learn how to build a fancy table or whatever, you know? Like they have to be taught those skills before you can throw them into a place that has all the tools that they'll need to build things. And like right. you said, solving a problem. And I think that's also key when you're giving your kids task cards is make sure it's not just like a, hey, build something. It's a, you need to be able to solve a problem because that's what we need to be teaching kids what engineers do. Right. You're not just learning how to make a craft like we talk about an episode, the last episode, but you're solving a problem and there's a process to do that. And then you can use the tools and supplies that you have at hand from your makerspace or from your classroom supply bin, same right. thing, and then solve that problem. Right. Have you heard of the cardboard challenge? No. <laughs> so we did this uh, last year. I was running STEM family nights before the pandemic. And we had this group that kept wanting to do a cardboard challenge. And I was like, cool, whatever that is. And so they would have us go to the cafeteria and collect cardboard um, from, you know, all the boxes they pack lunches in. And we would save all this cardboard. And I was like, okay, what's the challenge? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And they're like, whatever they want. And I was like, what do you mean? And so the station was just boxes of cardboard and the kids could just invent whatever they felt like making. And I was like, but this is a step that it's a real challenge. Like, are they designing something that floats, that flies, that is tall? (laughs) Like, what are the constraints? And I think that from our perspective as STEM educators, that's what's missing in a lot of people's makerspace is it's so open-ended that it really gives no direction to the students. And then it becomes, you know, a classroom where you're doing crafts and you're having fun and there is nothing wrong with that. We just need to start with what are the learning outcomes? What's the objective of our makerspace? And so if you just want a place for kids to just create and tinker, then that's fine. Then you can use it that way. But if you're using it in a STEM classroom and you're claiming to use the engineering design process, then you need to be realistic. And how do I actually guide students through? 
And we really believe that a teacher is essential to that. You can't just throw kids in a room. And even if you do give them a well-defined problem of, you know, build something that floats, that holds so many objects, they still need help. And how do you connect that to buoyancy, right? How can we connect that to surface area, measuring different sizes of boats? How do you optimize the design? There's so much that a teacher can support in that learning. Exactly. I think you hit it right there. Like open-ended is way too open these days. It Open-ended should mean that there's not just one way to find the solution. Kids can collaborate, they can work together, they can use their problem-solving skills or critical thinking, whatever supplies that they think they should differentiate, but there is some set of criteria. So what do you have in your makerspace? Let's give a little sneak peek for the teachers listening. What are some things that you recommend in a makerspace? My favorite thing to have in my makerspace is actually paper plates. That's my biggest supply need and what I'm always out of. It's because it works really well and it's a lot cheaper than cardstock to build things. And then tools. So I have several different kinds of cardboard cutting tools, which are super important. It's really the hub for everything I use in my classroom. So I have, I am given trash every day from other teachers to be oh. used in my makerspace. <laughs> I love so everything. Yeah. Cans, toilet paper tubes. I mean, I, I'm stocked with everything. And actually, I, I, we talked about this in one of the previous episodes. I went to Walmart and like grabbed a whole bunch of craft supplies and ask them if they would donate that to my classroom for my makerspace. And they said, yes, it was amazing. So I try to stay stocked with all the craft sticks and pipe cleaners and toothpicks and paper clips, all those things. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy, right? They don't have to have a 3D printer to be called a makerspace. No. I mean, the way I use it, it's just a hub of all the materials they'll need for my challenges. Also, I don't think it needs to be a permanent space in your classroom either. So I have one of those really awesome carts from Michael's that I think a lot of teachers have now. They usually go on sale right before school starts and they're half off. I think I got mine for $25. And it's a this rolling cart that has, I think there's three, yeah, there's three shelves on it. And it's my maker cart. So I use that usually just to stock with the supplies that my students will need for whatever challenge it is that day. So they're not just going to my big makerspace and be like, I'll take all the things, right? <laughs> Especially for my youngest kids. So like kinder through second grade, like you can go to the maker cart. It has the defined constrained supplies that I'm allowing you to use for this challenge. Mm -hmm. So for teachers who are traveling between classrooms or don't have a lot of space or want to start out small with a their STEM program, a cart is perfect for your maker area. I love it. So I think the concluding message here, is a makerspace a learning fad? Well, it depends on how you define it and what the mm -hmm. purpose is. In the context of my class, it was related to science education. If you define a makerspace as a place where you like the post that you called out, where you just put a kid in and they magically <laughs> have this amazing product and they use the engineering design process and they learn all this science, I would say that it's a fad, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't replace a teacher. That's right. All right, so do we want to wrap up this uh, series of learning fads or do you still want to keep going? Do you have more that you want to learn? You know what? I think we should ask our listeners. So we'll post this on our social media channels and check out the show notes. You can also comment on our website at vivifystem.com. 
and let us know if there is a question that you have about something maybe being a teaching fad and we'll try to address it. Sounds good. So a little teaser then, if there's some that they're interested in, a few on my list are flexible learning spaces, flipped classroom, and left brain, right brain. So those are three that we investigated. So if anyone's interested in learning more of those, or if there's another fad that maybe someone came to your uh, professional development and threw some crazy idea and you're like, is that real? We can try to investigate. Perfect. Well, let's talk again soon. Sounds good. See ya. 